Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837, and FSP, dedicated to food service excellence. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our readings for today highlight a problem that you can see from the beginning to the end of our tradition. What I mean is the tendency of religion sometimes to become its own worst enemy. Institutions, practices, customs within religion can sometimes, when they become corrupt, undermine religion itself. Here's the specific issue that our readings highlight. And it's as old as the hills and as relevant as today's headlines. It's the issue of religious exclusivism leading to religious violence. Exclusivism, us against them, our little group, leading to religious violence. Listen to how the issue is set up in both the first reading and the gospel. The first reading is from the book of Numbers. God has promised that he will give some of Moses' spirit to 70 elders of Israel. So these elders are assembled, and God sends his spirit, and they begin to prophesy. But then they notice something. There were two people who were on the list, who were supposed to be in that place, but they weren't there. Nevertheless, they begin to prophesy. Well, this bothers the purists. Listen. Two men, one named Ildad, the other Medad, were not in the gathering, but had been left in the camp. They too had been on the list, but had not gone out to the tent. Yet the Spirit came to rest on them also, and they prophesied in the camp. So when a young man quickly told Moses, Ildad and Medad are prophesying in the camp, Joshua, son of Nun, said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. It isn't right. God determined that things should take place in a certain way. If they assemble in this way at this time, I'll give them my spirit. But these people operated outside of the strictures. What does Moses say? Moses answered them, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the people of the Lord were prophets. Would that the Lord might bestow his spirit on them all. His answer is, look, when push comes to shove, I don't care about following all of the prescriptions. What I care about is the flow of grace. What I'm concerned about is that God's Spirit has come upon these people. How it happened precisely, whether it happened in just the predictable way, that's secondary at best. Now, in the Gospel for today, we have a very similar problem. Listen. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw a man using your name to expel demons. And we tried to stop him because he's not of our company. Same problem. He's doing something good and right, expelling demons in the name of Jesus. But 
he's not in the company of the twelve. So they said, hey, this is not right. Stop it. What does Jesus say? Jesus said in reply, Do not try to stop him. No man who performs a miracle using my name can at once speak ill of me. Anyone who is not against us is with us. Powerful stuff and very close to the answer that Moses gave. What is Jesus concerned about? Not so much following the prescriptions, making sure everything fits just so. What he's concerned about is the flow of grace. God's grace has been given through these men who are exorcising in Jesus' name. So why stop them? And then notice, please, the positive way he frames this thing. If you're not against us explicitly, assume you're for us. These people aren't against us, obviously and explicitly. Assume that they're for us. Now, we know that there's a tension here. That's why these readings are interesting. The tension is this. There is something good and right and true to be said about structures, about order, about ritual in the religious life. Even the most cursory reading of the Bible shows that the Bible is very interested in a certain structure and order to religious things. More to it, this structure does not simply come from human convention, but comes precisely through the will of God. God deigns that His grace normally and usually, typically, flows through certain channels. Jesus Himself is an obvious example here. Jesus carefully chooses twelve men. And he's going to shape them and form them. And they become the foundations of his church, also an institutional structure. Remember, after the resurrection, when Jesus breathes on his disciples and says, Receive the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, the Spirit rushes upon these people. Yes, there's a proper order and harmony, direction to the religious life. Make it more concrete. Think of the priesthood itself. Priesthood is just a human convention, something that faithful people thought up that they could change if they want to. No, no. The church recognizes that the priesthood was instituted by Christ himself for his purposes. That normally he deigns that his grace of forgiveness of real presence in the Eucharist is going to flow through the priesthood. We don't just play fast and loose with it. We don't say, well, let's just get rid of that institution. Allow grace to flow in any way. No, no, no. There is something to be said for ritual, for order, in the flow of grace. But, do we say that God is limited in such a way that he can only give his grace through these prescribed structures. Friends, if we say that, we're saying that God is not God. If we say that, we say that God is captive to the very structures that he himself put into place. And that would make God less than God. So there's our dilemma. 
the goodness, the value to order and structure in the religious life. At the same time, this effervescent flow of grace that sometimes moves even outside of those prescribed strictures and limitations. Let me make it more concrete. When I say that the Catholic priest celebrating the liturgy in the prescribed way makes really present Jesus Christ, well, I'm saying a mouthful because I'm saying that we have in this case the guarantee of the church that Jesus is really present. When that properly ordained priest in the proper way confects the Eucharist, we know, we have the guarantee of the church that Christ is really present. But now listen. Am I able to say at the same time that what happens at a Lutheran service, what happens at an Anglican service, has nothing of grace in it? Well, no. That's too strong. Should I say those things ought not to take place? Those things ought to be abolished? No. That's too strong. Could God's grace also be operative there? Well, yeah, in its own way. Do I have the guarantee of the church that Christ is really present in the same way that I have in the Catholic Mass? No, I don't have that. Yet, I'm not going to say that I know for sure God's grace is not operating in those venues. That would be too strong. Let me give just one more example. Suppose you went to a conference of some kind where all kinds of religious ceremonies and rituals were on display. And suppose at this conference there were a Catholic priest who was offering Mass. And this Catholic priest was the most boring priest you know. His homilies are utterly uninteresting, drab. There's no music at the Mass. Nothing symbolically interesting. Nothing that will lift your spirit. On the other hand, there's a very vibrant evangelical preacher. Great speaker. And his service is characterized by all sorts of artistic expression. It's symbolically rich. There's great music. It lifts your spirit. Which one do you attend? Well, I mean, speaking for myself, it's not even a question. Of course I would attend the Catholic Mass. Even if it has absolutely nothing symbolically or emotionally interesting about it. How come? Because even there in that drab service, I have the guarantee of the church that Christ is really present. Good, okay. There's the reverencing of the order and the ritual. But, but, can I say at the same time, there's nothing of value, there's nothing of grace in that other ceremony? Well, no, I can't. I can't say that. I shouldn't say that. Would I recommend that that be shut down? Tell that person to stop preaching because he's not a Catholic priest. No, no. Because God's grace can flow sometimes even around the structures that he himself has established. Friends, let me sort of close with this. Again, in light of Jesus' principle. If they're not against us, presume they're for us. Whatever is good and true and beautiful in any religion is of Christ. 
Let me say that again. Whatever is good, true, and beautiful in any religion is from Christ. Why? Because Christ is the Word made flesh. Christ is God's own presence. Therefore, whatever I see, whatever I experience of goodness and grace is related to Him. Therefore, if it's not explicitly against what the church stands for, we should say, hey, it, it's for us. It's on our side. Does it apply even to other world religions? Sure, sure. Vatican II said it as clearly as you could want. There are rays of light, rays of truth in all the great religions of the world. And are those rays of light flowing ultimately from Jesus Christ? Yes, they are. Has Christ established the Catholic Church as the privileged and appropriate means of expression of His grace? Yes, but nevertheless, signs of His grace can be found around that explicit channel. You know, one thing the Church Fathers taught me, the Catholic Church is not a sect. You know what I mean? The Catholic Church is not one little group set in a defensive posture over and against the rest of the world. Jesus said, preach to all nations. Don't huddle defensively in the corner, satisfied to be your little group over and against the rest. No, there is a universal push and emphasis within Catholicism. Therefore, let's follow Jesus' principle. With this universal desire in mind, whatever we see that is good and true and right in other religions, in other Christian faiths, even in the secular world, we should be able to say, well, if it's not against the Lord, it's for the Lord. And in that spirit, let's overcome exclusivism and religious violence. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.